0: Purple, get ready to roll indeed. This is College and Kimball. I'm your host, Jeff Burkhart. While it will just be me leading this upcoming interview, I do speak for the other podcasts, Clint, Justin, and Alex, in saying that we greatly appreciate you, the listener, for downloading or streaming this episode on your preferred podcast app. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our show. If you haven't already, please follow us on Twitter at college underscore Kimball. You'll find each of our individual Twitter handles linked out on that main page. Now, Kansas State, of course, wrapped up the non-conference portion of the 2021 schedule. The Wildcats decisive in their 38-17 victory over the Nevada Wolfpack this past Saturday at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Big 12 play starting in earnest this weekend. K-State traveling down to Stillwater, Oklahoma to take on the Oklahoma State Cowboys. And joining me to help preview the upcoming matchup is Kyle Cox. He is a writer for the Pistols Firing blog. And Kyle, we've got a pivotal game coming up this Saturday. Obviously, both squads wanting to start conference play off on the right foot and oklahoma state has been no stranger to hot starts under mike gundy you have to go back to the 2016 season to find the last time that a gundy coach squad did not start a year three 0 and one of the consistent trends in those hot starts in the month of september has been the offense and this hasn't just been a matter of oklahoma state hitting up a bunch of lower level g5 or fcs squads for a bunch of points The Pokes typically do this to everybody in the non-con. You go back to 2019, they open up on the road, taking on Oregon State and Corvallis. They drop 52 on the Beavers. In 2018, they bring Boise State into Stillwater. They ring up the Broncos for 44. 2017, they go on the road to take on Pitt. They hit the Panthers up for 59. Like I said, this is start to the season that we've seen from Oklahoma State. While they are 3-0, and the offense has not been doing it for the Pokes. This group has really struggled to move the ball. If you had to, could you point to maybe one or two things being the root of the problem, or is this much more pervasive?
1: Well, that's a good question. Uh, yeah, so far the Cowboys have yet to reach 30 points. Uh, definitely not something that we're used to seeing from them. Uh, there are a couple things to point to. Um, they've had some injuries uh, in the, along the offensive line. Um, it's kind of the same way they started last year. They had to play kind of musical chairs with some guys. So that does uh, put you back some. Um, they had a real hard time running the ball in the first two games. Uh, pretty pretty dismal, actually. Um, last, The last game, uh, they actually got things going on the ground at Boise State. Uh, Jalen Warren had a big game. Um, but uh, they also but then the last game, they could barely move the ball through the air um, because they were basically completely depleted in the receiver core. So injuries have been big. Um, and then there's been quite a bit of flack uh, thrown towards uh offensive coordinator uh, Casey Dunn in his second year, too, on trying to get find ways to, to, to move the ball. Um, they've got the wins. They're three and zero, so that's important. But uh, you definitely if you're a Cowboy fan, you'd like to see a little more, a little less, uh, uh, drama in, when you're playing, you know, Missouri State or or Tulsa or even Boise. So it'll be a, a big test this weekend for sure.
0: As far as personnel goes, uh, I guess we'll start up in the receiver room. Like I said, we're, we're so used to seeing big names, explosive plays. Do you believe that there is a James Washington, Tylen Wallace, Justin Blackman type in that receiver room right now? Or do we have uh, just a... A nice collection of possession guys and no big real big game breakers.
1: They they could. Um the the expected uh you know top target this year with Tay Martin came well he played last year for OSU. He came from Washington State as a transfer and he kind of played behind Tylen Wallace. Uh he he took he took a lot of the buzz uh this offseason. He looked really good to start this year, but uh he's been injured uh since week two. Um hasn't played. Uh Brennan Presley uh kind of came on late last year he's a young guy's sophomore and he's pretty electric uh, and then they had uh, a true freshman a couple true freshmen make plays this year early on uh, Jaden Bray um has got a lot of uh of praise after the first his first outing but then he's been injured so they came in the last last week with with guys playing that have never played at all and weren't expected to play at all so um even their young core that you know that was thin, got even more thin this year I, or this last week. But I, I do think there's some, you know, a couple of perspective guys, Brendan Presley could definitely be a star. Jaden Bray's got a lot, uh, but, but they're both very young, especially Bray He's basically three weeks into his college career. So there probably isn't someone this Saturday that's going to, you know, they can depend on like that, but, but down the road, I think so. One big reason why you could see some things
0: open up for those receivers in the passing game is perhaps the emergence of Jalen Warren, the transfer from Utah State. Uh, what was your impression of him in that first game, uh, his first start, I should say, against Boise State?
1: Well, in the first, uh, his first big play was a 75-yard touchdown, so that's a pretty good way to start out the game. Um, uh, before that, OSU was not able to move the ball much on, Bo- well, on Boise. Um, He's, he's played uh, a role all year, and coming in, uh, instead of having that top guy like a Chuba Hubbard or, or a Justice Hill, uh, all summer we heard it's going to be qu- running back by committee. There's three or four guys, four guys that could could start. And um, uh, LD Brown's been around for a long time, and he's made plays. But uh, kind of the buzz you heard starting back in the spring is that Jalen Warren might be that guy, and he's showed it uh, at least th- so far this through this year, and then last last week especially um, had a monster game. So, he kind of seems like uh, the other guys might be more of niche guys, and I think he's kind of more of an all around. He he's got the speed. He's he can play. You know, run you know run the ball in three downs, and um, I think that's the biggest thing with him. He he's a big part of what's going to make their offense go. Now, as far as LD Brown
0: goes, he was the guy K State fans saw a lot of in last season's game. If you had to compare running styles, maybe what does Jalen give that cowboy backfield that LD wasn't?
1: You know, I think just um, we saw in the week two, he had this crazy, you know, people were throwing Barry Sanders around on Twitter, uh, uh, play against Tulsa where he just kind of, he probably ran about 50 yards to get 10, you know? Um, So kind of that uh, just maybe a little more wiggle, uh, but LD Brown's a, 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 a pretty fast guy too so um i don't know i think he's a real he's kind of a stockier guy he's more built like a bowling ball but still fast enough to break away from people so maybe just more of a well-rounded guy and but they you know mike gundy said earlier in the offseason that any one of these three or four guys uh could carry the load and that might be the case but you know recency bias tells us that Jalen warren's the guy right now so
0: certainly when you go off for for 200 and i'm sure probably running with a little extra motivation against boise state having played against them a couple of times in right. the Mountain west for sure no doubt a little extra incentive for him now kind of going in reverse order at least in uh in terms of perceived importance we're going to go now to the quarterback position and and there's seemingly been this this stigma surrounding spencer sanders and, and candidly i i I, I look at his numbers and, and on its face, like guy threw for 2,000 yards last season, hit around 63% of his throws. He's He's got legs to hurt you in the running game, mm-hmm. but he just really hasn't looked sharp in his first couple of starts. He had to sit out due to COVID protocol in that opener against Missouri State. Has he plateaued maybe? Is that the word for it? Or, or have we just not had a chance to really see him with the, the
1: weaponry, the complementary pieces really hit his ceiling? It's I I don't know that he's plateaued. It's hard to say f- so far. Like you said, you know, we talked about he was he's very limited at receiver in the last game, and they just had a hard time moving the ball in in game in his first in his first game, um, due par- partially to the uh, offensive line um, uh, injuries. But you know he's he's those that guy that he can go you know nuts in a quarter, and he can make these plays that are just like you know ESPN top ten type plays. And then they will have a head scratcher or two. I think in the Tulsa game it was he just threw kind of a just a pick six that you you don't even know what he was looking at. I mean, he just you know telegraphed it. The the DB picked it up and or the there was a linebacker and just took it right into the end zone. So um, he still has I think some room to grow. Um, he's a third year guy, so you don't can't make too many excuses for him. But there there were there have been issues in the offensive line. And then last in the last game against Boise. Uh, I think he was six for 13 uh, career low passing yards. Now, OSU had basically reserved that that they're not going to throw the ball. They were going to run it, especially with how it was going with Jalen Warren um, and without having really any receivers to to speak of that had played. Um, But I I did see an interesting stat someone put out on Twitter that uh, the pro football focus looked at that game and if you looked at the drops that he took out the drops and the throwaways he was like 70 percent from the field Of course it's only 13 throws so um he's got the arm and the legs to to you know beat it just about anybody but you know sometimes you wonder which which player you're going to get show up and with that being
0: said is there any chance that we might see Shane Illingworth or is is Spencer
1: Sanders there is no leash he's the guy They'd have to get pretty out of hand for, for him to not be the guy. Um, and the big thing, it, Spencer Sanders brings a lot to the table as far as that running game goes, uh, especially when it, with a team that's that struggled to run the football. Shane Ellingworth it, has looked good when he's played, but he's definitely not the the run threat that Sanders is. So, um it's but you could definitely see that in the first game when osu was just unable to move the ball at all against you know an fcs team an improved fcs team i know they got a bunch of transfers in but it's still an fcs team so you don't you know you want to be able to put up you know at least four yards of carry on a team like that and uh without that extra person to account for it was really tough for osu so i think he'll be the guy regardless he's put his time in and Gundy's pretty. Uh, you know, loyal when when a guy does that. So I I think it would have to be a disaster for him to not be the guy.
0: I think both coaches are approaching this game with the mindset of let's just play solid defense for four quarters and see what happens. I don't think Gundy or Kleiman feel particularly confident in their offense at the moment. And that's about as good a point as any to segue into the defensive side of the ball It's really been what's carried Oklahoma State through that 3-0 start. The Pokes are only surrendering 19 points per game. That's 50th nationally, but you've got some skewed numbers with it being so early in the season. They've also been very stingy against the run, only giving up 95 yards per game on the ground. You look at this group, there's experience really at every level. Has there been one unit that's really stood out over the others?
1: Uh, yeah, it's tough cause it's the defense has been the, you know, the best uh, side of the ball the OSU's had, um, I, I think the defensive line has played really well and they've had a lot of different guys contribute. Jaden Jernigan came in, uh, defensive tackle and had a huge game, uh, against Boise, but their secondary is, is been pretty stout too. Uh, there, they are without Trey Sterling, who was a starting safety. He's out for the year, but Jason Taylor, who's been kind of a, his backup for the last couple of years has made some big plays. Um, he's actually, Kansas state fans might remember him. He's the one that run, ran the, uh, fumble back, uh, for the touchdown last year. He had a blocked kick uh, that would have been a, uh, a, a kick to go ahead by Boise state. He kicked, he blocked a field goal. Um, and he had a pick six in the Tulsa game that got called back. So he's always around the football and he's a, he's a style guy. They have Col- Colby Harvell Peel, who's a all, former all big 12 guy. Um, so they've got some, some talent in the back end too, but they're, they're really good all the way out their linebackers. Malcolm Rodriguez is one of the leaders in the country in tackles. So um, that's been their strength for sure on that side of the ball. Um, And uh, it's kind of goes back and forth, but yeah, I probably right now, I'd say defensive line, but they're all, they're all been pretty stout. You point out Malcolm Rodriguez. And again, you see that
0: number and it pops, you know, almost 40 Mm. tackles through just three games. The dude has been everywhere. What what do you think has been the reason he's gotten up to such a great start to this season?
1: I think, uh, I mean, he's been, he's led the, the the Cowboys for the last two years, and I think he was number two three years ago in tackle. So he's been there the whole time, but it, it looks like he's kind of stepped up. You know, it's that extra, that extra year that he's got, a year, a year of eligibility. I think he just knows, it's one of the things, he, he's probably so experienced, he's just not thinking anymore. He's just, you know, playing. And he's been in this system for three years. So that's probably part of it, and he's just a good football player. He's a really good college football player, and they, a lot of people maybe too much make a big deal about him, his wrestling background, former state championship rep- wrestler. But it is cool to see him, uh, you know, hip toss some 350-pound offensive lineman every once in a while. So, but he's just a he's just a stud, and uh, he's wherever at one of his uh, teammates and recently was kind of complaining that he was taking all the tackles. So, uh, but that's the type of guy you want there. So yeah, he's he's just a stud.
0: Undoubtedly, a guy that caught the attention of Kansas State's offensive coaches in film study this week. It'll be very interesting to see how Courtney Messingham and company scheme around Mr. Rodriguez, who anchors that poke defense from his outside linebacker position. Now, this game as a whole, it's been screaming to me ugly, defensive-oriented, but I also think it's going to move pretty quickly because I think coaches are going to avoid passing like the plague. Uh, I can't help but think 20 points probably gets it done this Saturday. What's your feeling in terms of how this one plays out?
1: I agree there. Um, I think the biggest key I was writing about, I'm writing about this for tomorrow morning, actually, about, is just the ground game. Uh, Kansas State's been able to run the football. OSU did last week, but uh, has not been great at, at sustaining drives so far this year. So that's, you know it's going to be a defensive game it's going to come down to time and possession uh, you know your good old-fashioned big 12 but um i uh i think it'll be tough for osu i think they can win for sure and you know you're if you're an osu fan you're kind of waiting for this offense just you know a couple things to click and maybe some momentum to happen um but we haven't seen that on a consistent basis they've been one dimensional all year they were run or, or pass only team the first two weeks and couldn't run the ball uh last week they re- they were able to run it but couldn't throw it so um that's not going to win you very many games in the big 12 so i would say if you're an osu fan you could maybe be cautiously optimistic if things fall and you get a couple players back but uh, it's going to be a tough one i you know if osu gets to 30 this this week that might be a bonus for their offense too <laughs> so yeah i think 30 points for either side you're feeling pretty good about life uh, in this yeah. in this game um uh, what was your prediction for scores though i haven't put i was thinking about that i i was thinking to do i think i'm gonna go i'll make the our, our people happy i think i'll go osu 28 kansas state 2023 20, we'll make it weird it's it's gonna okay. that's that's what it feels like Some something in that in that range I don't think I was looking at the numbers and both teams have been really good in the red zone at scoring touchdowns. And and I think that might be what it comes down to whoever doesn't turn the ball over and whoever takes advantage of those, those few trips they get down there. So
0: I I think you're spot on in your assessment there. Uh, K-State fans probably a little nervous with Will Howard making his first True, true road start in a, a an actual environment, not just a couple thousand people. So sure. uh, that's true. looking forward to, to seeing this one. It's always again, uh, while K-State is just one in six against Oklahoma State and Stillwater since the year 2000, pretty much every one of those games has gone down to the wire. So we should be in for a very entertaining contest this Saturday, no doubt about it. Now, um, a couple of macro questions before I, uh, I turn you loose here, Kyle. Um, I wanted to ask you just about the Big 12 as a collective. We obviously had a very stressful late July, early <laughs> August, and, and I'd be very interested to know what the, what the feeling was of Oklahoma State fans. It's got to be a little bit different. K-State fans stressing for obvious reasons, not knowing whether or not they would have a seat at the table. Oklahoma sure. State, I don't feel like they've really been in that camp. Was it more are we going to be in an autonomy conference or was it a lot more animosity directed at Oklahoma for, for dropping the bomb on the big 12? It's,
1: yeah, it's, it's a loaded, uh, you know, situation for sure. Um, you know, OSU and OU have, uh, obviously historically been linked for their entire time as playing football. Um, there's, there was even, you know, OSU brass came out, you know, the new president of OSU came out against OU and in Texas and, um, OSU fans, there, there's kind of a, it's kind of split down the middle. There's some that want to keep Bedlam going, um, after this, um, there's some that just say, good riddance, you know, we're tired of losing to OU, um, and, and upset. So, um, I think, uh, if, if my opinion about the league, I think, uh, aside from them just getting scooped up, which I don't think was realistic by, you know, a, a PAC 12 or big 10, I think the additions they've added are about as good as you're going to get given the situation. Um, it, it at least uh, gives them something, uh, some type of stability moving forward. But yeah, it, it was, there was some questions for OSU fans too. Uh, you know, I think they th- most thought that OSU would land somewhere with the uh, power conference or something, but um, there's still, you know, a lot of their value uh, when it comes to TV. You no, know, a lot of OSU fans want to hear this, but when it comes to, to TV money is uh, that rivalry with OU. And as far as other than being in the, in the big 12 with Texas and OU, which they will no longer be. So we'll see. I mean, they've said that they want to continue that rivalry. Um, I think even though OSU fans that don't want it, if you look at from a, you know, like you said, from a macro view, it's probably best for OSU to play and be linked with OU, even if it's a non-conference every other year type of thing. But uh, yeah, it was definitely a bomb. It was an interesting, more interesting July than we're used to. I'm sure the same for you, but Uh, yeah, I, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I, I, uh, I was not in the camp of, 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 uh, obviously preferring to trade those teams for, for the group of five teams, but, and that was until I saw the Cincinnati hype video. And I think I'm all in for that now.
0: Now, as far as the additions, and again, everybody knows UCF, Cincinnati, Houston, and BYU really big 12 went out and I think got the biggest, Brands that it could of those G5 slash independents. If um, if you had to project forward here, let's say just 2030, do you feel like this group of 12 is still all together in the same conference, or do
1: you feel like something more seismic is forthcoming? I, you know, it's it's so hard to predict. I, I could definitely see something a big a big change happening. You know, we've talked for a while; people have talked about super conferences and, and what that looks like, or, you know, maybe there's uh, like tiers of college football. I don't know. It, it'd be hard with as many changes as we've seen. um, You know, I, I could see the big 12 signing up with the, uh, you know, with their new grander rights deal, whenever that was 2025, I guess. And whatever that runs through, I bet, I think they stay where they are. Um, But after that, who knows? I mean, there's so many things that could change, especially uh, as fast as things move now. But, you know, maybe they expand and add a Memphis and Boise State, you know, who knows? Or maybe it's they're broke up and just a part of the SEC, (laughs) you know, the 30 team SEC. I don't know. that it'd be interesting. Uh, Who knows? It's going to be different. I know that it's going to be different than we've than We're used to. It's an
0: intriguing time in college athletics for sure. I know a lot of people are very passionate about their conferences, some more than others, but uh, appreciate you sharing your thoughts on that, Kyle. And thank you again so much for your time. And before I cut you loose, where can our listeners go and check out your work?
1: Okay. uh, Yeah, we're at, uh, I'm on Twitter at Kyle Cox PFB, and we're at pistolsfiringblog.com. And that's, uh, we cover everything with the state and try to have a good time, but uh, try to do it as good as anyone. So appreciate you having me on, though. Big thanks again to Kyle
0: Cox for joining us here on College and Kimball. Do go check out some of his work on the Pistols Firing blog and the days leading up to the Wildcats Big 12 opener at Oklahoma State. Should be a good one down in Stillwater, no doubt about it. That is going to do it for your midweek opponent preview. Again, I will be back along with... The usual cast of characters clint alex and justin for the recap of the nevada game as well as our breakdown of the wildcats upcoming contest against the oklahoma state cowboys that will be showing up in your podcast feed on thursday thanks again for listening go ahead rate review and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already follow us on twitter at college underscore kimball and until next time cats man if you know you know